Ever feel like you've got to get your should together? Is your should about to hit the fan? Have you been sitting in your shoulds for most of your life wondering if you could be more, see more, or do more? Welcome to Shut the Should Up with Candace Payne and Jenny Randall. We're both authors and speakers who want to stomp out your flaming bag of should. With a whole lot of faith, together, let's sort through the pain, purpose, and promise to find freedom in the things we tell ourselves we should and should not do. Because there's so much more in you. Oh, welcome to Shut the Should Up, everybody. Jenny Randall here, and we are actually missing in action Candace Payne. Oh, I thought I was Candace Payne. You <laughs> wish. You wish you were Candace Payne. Listen, we have Brandon Brookshire with us. You guys met him last episode, and we're going to have a great series, a great mini series for you over these next few episodes. First of all, my dog is like begging to come on my lap. It's like she knew. Bring her. Bring her. She's like, I need to learn theology, and I know you're recording right now, so I'm going to interrupt everything in your life. Um, okay, last episode, Brayden, remember what we talked about? We we kind of set the framework for what theology is and why it matters, right? Oh, absolutely. We definitely framed it as uh, something that's for everyone, not just for academics or pastors, but for everyone. And so if you didn't hear that part, go back and listen to that episode first. Yeah, so we are in the middle of our mini-series, or in the second episode of our mini-series surrounding theology, specifically Flash Theology, which is a book Brayden and I co-wrote. We're so excited Mm -hmm. to bring you guys on in these conversations, in this journey, kind of unpacking some big biblical theological truths. And today, this is a big one we're going to tackle. Who is the author? of your story. Who is the main character of your story? Mm-hmm. We're going to dive into these big truths. But Brayden, I didn't warn you for this. Okay. Do you know what these are? The buzzers. The buzzers. I brought back the buzzers. First I'm time glad. in this season, season five. Usually what we do is if we say a big Christian-y word that people are going to be like, I don't even know what's happening. I'm going to buzz you. And Good. if you feel the need to buzz me, just declare buzz. And what you have to do then is define that word. So this is going to... I'm going to phrase it like that. I declare buzz. <laughs> I declare a buzz. <laughs> That's... Declare a buzz. That's great. Just I'm declare do that. it. Declare it over our lives, Brayden. All right. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you unpack some of the some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, let me, let me, let me tee this up a little bit here. Uh, first of all, we all have a story, right? I mean, that's it's something that's so like part of the human experience, but then like our life with, story. Yeah. And we all yeah. like, we all recognize that. Like, I think it's not an uncommon thing. It's actually very trendy right now to use story language in marketing or in even like biblical studies and stuff. And that's fine. That's great. I actually, I'm on board with that. But at the same time too, I want to make sure we have the right, right characters in the right places in this story. So theologically speaking, when we talk about the story of everything, we need to know who is the author and main character of that. And I think it makes really practical differences too, because first of all, most of you are going to be like, yeah, I know what you're going to say. Okay, then follow <laughs> me here. So don't, don't lose. It. Yeah, you're like, okay, common sense. God is the main character of the story. He's the author. <laughs> but when we flesh that out, like if we're honest with ourselves, is that really the case? Or do we just know the correct answer and then move on? And so can I just frame it through a common way that we talk about it through evangelism? And then we can go from there, Jenny. Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. 
Awesome. And this is by no means bashing on when we... Wait, I'm buzzing you because some might be like evangelism. Thank you. Okay, so when we do quote unquote gospel presentations, so especially in Sunday church settings or in other parachurch, other church sort of ministries. You knew I was going to buzz that. You knew it. I know, parachurch, yeah. yeah. Basically through any sort of ways that us as Christians or Christian leaders um, have the opportunity to not just tell people about Jesus, but invite them into a relationship with Jesus. Those type of opportunities often come through, let's say if you've been to church on Sundays, where at the end of the message, the piano player comes on stage to play some keys in the background. It gets emotional. Mm -hmm. And the Uh, preacher says like, you know, some of you here, you've been running from God and he, (laughs) he wants to like, get like, and that's great. So you get the picture or whatever you're contriving in your mind. They're going to invite you into yes. this relationship to make a decision today a decision that changes your eternal trajectory and like <laughs> heaven or hell well, yeah <laughs> and again i'm framing all this not because i'm bashing on it i don't have any problems with it i want to put a greater precedence on a kind of language we use for it so if you can follow my technicality just for a second i think you'll be really interested in what we have to say well you and i both have to say jenny because we kind of wrote about this (laughs) yeah Uh, so evangelism all right so you defined it so you were talking about evangelism to continue continue yes so typically at the during an evangelistic presentation that we give on the gospel we say something along the line of this do you want to invite jesus into your life I get it. I totally get the sentiment (laughs) and why we say that. But wait a second. When we word it that way, are we not making ourselves the main character? And then we're kind of employing Jesus to come into our kingdom, our our business, our life, and seeing how he fits into my agenda, schedule, priorities. I'm inviting him into my life. And even if he takes number one place in my life, he is still coming into my life, my life. Do you hear that emphasis? My life. Now, let me twist this a little bit here. What if our presentations were something like this? God wants to invite you into his life. Do you want to receive that invitation and come into his life? The triune God, which big word, we come back and just follow me here. God of scripture. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is inviting you he is the center. He is the author. He's the main character, but he's inviting you to be a beloved uh, citizen of his kingdom and member of his family. Good. Well, I, I think of how I became a Christian at 18 and it was, have you ever thought if you walk out these doors, are you going to heaven or hell? It was at a, a church play. That question was posed at the time. It wasn't, a, I wasn't threatened by that question. It was legitimately a question I hadn't had never pondered. And that's when Jesus became real in my life. But it wasn't posed the way of, do you want to respond to God's invitation, inviting you into his kingdom, into his world? And I think of how for years, just, just the theology around even how I got saved or how I became a Christian impacted how I read the Bible. Because I would read the Bible, oh, this story is about me. Oh, I, uh, this, this one's about me. Where do I fit in? What is God saying to me rather than God is the main character of the story of the Bible from beginning and the end. And 
what he is saying, I need to analyze what that means about his character first, who he is first, and then prayerfully consider, okay, well, what is this? How is his character impacting my life? So, so I love that you brought that up in regards to how God is authoring and, and what that looks like on a practical level too, because even that simple sentiment of how you became a Christian can impact your theology for years to come. And we yes. don't even sit and really analyze it. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, no, I have a thought on that. And gosh, you said a few great things there. One of them was how does his character impact my character? And just a shout out to our book that in the part three Ooh, of our book, slash we... theology, <laughs> pick it up. Uh, in part <laughs> three of our book, when we talk about what God is like, his character and such, we end each chapter with a heart to heart, his heart to heart, our heart. So you're spot on there. Uh, yeah. And I think when you said this, how we became a Christian, the language in which we use there, again, these aren't just technicalities. This does frame theology and practice of how we work out our faith in our lives. And here's one way it does that in our prayer life. If you think about mm-hmm. it, think about the prayer that Jesus gave us, commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, mm-hmm. Matthew chapter six, I think it's verses nine through 13, I believe. Um, you know, famously, you know, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Love it. It's great. There's a lot you can unpack there, but let me just unpack this only one specific thing. Mm-hmm. Notice how that prayer brilliantly puts God as the main character and the author of the story. If we mm-hmm. do take that prayer as one example prayer, not the only example prayer of how to right. pray, but as one paradigm of how to pray, one template of how to pray, it's teaching and discipling us that it's about God. He is the king. He is um, the one whose kingdom it's all about. It's about his kingdom coming, his will being done on earth. So in our domain of existence, where we have a little societies and cultures and agendas and schedules being done on earth as it is in heaven. like It's such a different way of praying. And we can memorize that prayer and still miss what that prayer is discipling us theologically to see God as the main character, to see us as participating in his kingdom and in his will versus him coming into my life to help bless me, give me favor, help me rise (laughs) the ranks. Yeah. like Million dollars, prosperity. Totally. And we cannot undermine even those of us who grew up in the American church who let's say, don't even like the prosperity gospel are still influenced by elements, even if it's not directly prosperity gospel, elements of westernized Christianity that are very focused on the individual and very focused on you. And you are the starting point of your prayer, of your theology and all of that. And that's so important to identify right away and start critically thinking Mm. through all the ways that has affected the way we think about God and how we even work out our faith in our life. Woo! That's a hallelujah buzz right there. (laughs) Every time, this is what I love about spending time with Brayden and talking. We've had a lot of talks over the last year as we were developing Flash Theology, but just fleshing out some really big questions that we should wrestle with as people who want to live for God. What does that actually tangibly look like? And there's so much that we can dissect and lean into, but what you're touching on is huge. And it segues perfectly into storytelling and how stories have three main parts, which I think would work Mm -hmm. well to unpack who God is. So basic storytelling and all you English majors know this has three parts. Think of the, think of a lifetime movie. Okay. 
there's the setup where you establish the location and the characters. So if we're doing a Lifetime movie, um, a murderer, or no, little Johnny, no, big Johnny starts dating <laughs> Julie. I was like, no, he's not going to be a child. Starts dating this woman. They fall in love. Okay. Act two, the confrontation. This is where there's plot twists. There's problems. Um, there's opposition and conflict. So big Johnny, we find out is a murderer. Dun, dun, dun. Right. So then act three, this is every story. There's a resolution where the problems are resolved and it brings closure. So Johnny goes to jail. The girl is her hero. Amen. That's the end of the story. So every story and our life story has those three points too: the setup, the confrontation, the resolution. Now we might go in a circle all the day long, going back to establishing who you are, who your identity is, who's in your story in this season, what are your relationships looking like? And then a confrontation comes and then there's resolution. And then, you know, like it's this cycle. Mm -hmm. But God's love story, we call it, uses the same structure. And we phrase it like this. There's the beginning where the stage is set and the pure design of creation. And now we say pure design of creation in humanity is established. Mm -hmm. It becomes broken. The original design is tainted by disobedience to God. The world falls into sin. Dun, dun, dun. This is the conflict. And then it becomes beautiful in Act 3, where the brokenness is addressed and resolved through the death and resurrection of Jesus. The fullness of this redemption is found when Jesus returns and bring about the new creation, which mm -hmm. is written about in Revelation. Now, if you take that beginning, broken, beautiful, all throughout the pages of Scripture, you see that Jesus is redeeming that storyline that that um arc is it called an arc i don't know yeah, the storyline story yeah, yeah the story, story arc, arc meta narrative yep <laughs> oh yeah the meta narrative yes the meta narrative of the whole bible uh, should point to jesus so i think establishing those three key points of even in our own story like if we look at it i i don't know about you brayden but i can see the brokenness in my story, but mm. I also, God has given me eyes to see his beauty, his beautiful work of redemption that he's doing and restoration in my life. So what do you want to expand on from there? Oh man. I mean, there's a few directions you can go with it. One of the first things that comes to my mind, uh, again, going back to how our culture loves to talk about stories. I think often the problem is a lot of people in our society are searching to, in, uh, they use this language, <clears throat> excuse me, to find themselves. They are searching to find and, themselves. And find their truth. To, well, yeah, to find, that's a whole different issue, right? That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> to find their truth, but to find themselves and to like kind of find a story that is them. You know, it's, it's kind of this equivocation of their story and finding themselves. But let me again, reframe it this way. What if there's already, and you're already pointing to this, Jenny, you've already unpacked this. What if there's a meta-narrative, there's a grand story already happening before you were born and you were intended to join into that narrative that's already happening? Like, what, what if God's love story is something that includes you even before you were born? <laughs> like, what if you were loved into existence? Mm, to paraphrase that. something that happens in Ephesians chapter one, like before the foundation in the world, in love, God chose and created us. Like that is such a foundational truth because otherwise, if you do not put that view of God into how we look at life itself, you are looking. You're looking for someone to love you. You're looking to find your truth. You're looking to find yourself in your story. And there's so many gaps and it's, 
it's lonely. It's, uh, it's unfulfilling. And no matter how much you can contrive of on your own, something's missing because again, we're all looking for something bigger than ourselves. And ha- we happen to have a story that's way bigger than ourselves. Like you said, you're describing a story from creation to new creation and everything in between. And we all find ourselves in that, those stages of the beginning, the broken and uh, the beautiful. And so, yeah, I mean, that that's where I think about it too, is when we're discipling people, when we're discipling kids, when we're discipling younger people who are still learning about and trying to discover what they believe, let them know there is a story already unfolding. They're invited into it and that they were loved into existence. And the number one thing they can do on their journey is to learn to like connect with that God who already fashioned them for that relationship with him. I love, I love that you, I love that you mentioned (laughs) loved into existence because how often and that solves the question mark surrounding what is my purpose, right? Right? Or Precisely. and it's so that's such a big statement loved into existence because, gosh, how many times maybe a listener has questioned why am I here, right? Mm-hmm. What am I doing with my life? What's my purpose? Um, maybe people are stuck in the mundane routines of motherhood or parenting yeah. or a job a nine to five and paying the bills and getting the job done. But if you have this theology that Brayden just mentioned, you were loved into existence by a God who wanted a relationship with you, wanted to to show you what it looks like to live a life for him, with him, because Mm -hmm. of him. And that changes the whole narrative of your story. You go from purposeless to so filled with purpose and wanting to live on mission because of, simply because God asked you, right? Yeah, because he invited you into his story, into his life, into his love. And so going back to something you said, you said something really brilliant. Like academic theologian now. Just kidding. You well, you were talking about the mundane of either motherhood, of the nine to five, or um still making it through school as you're on your way into being a lawyer or whatever it is. The key when you discover these kind of truths about God isn't to jump ship and say, you know what, I need to go move into a monastery and like, <laughs> like that's not the solution per se. Like, hey, if that's your calling, cool. But like, <laughs> no, but the great thing is these kind of truths revitalize how you engage the mundane rhythms of life. Like you see what we're trying to do here. When we talk about flash theology and the truths we're trying to unpack in every single chapter is not for when you go on that mountaintop experience. It's not for that unique or uh, unprecedented part of your life that happens one or two times here or there. We are talking about things that should change, have a paradigm shift of how you engage in the everyday mundane life. So that that's my hope. In it should. About you throw us a should, which, you know, I love. Yeah, should. Let it go, should. go into uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So we're, we're going to challenge. Well, maybe I'll throw out the challenge in a, in a couple it. more minutes. I have yeah. a challenge that we're going to throw out. But what, what else do you want to expand on? Should we go into creation, fall, redemption, or should we lead this conversation Ooh, somewhere let's else? Leave that. Yeah, let's. I do want to address that. It's heavy. That's but, that's big let's, stuff. I would let's have buzzed do that myself. a different one. Okay. Because yeah. I want to. <laughs> and I'm tempted to. But no. Your, your pastoral would, came out. You're like, okay. <laughs> I would rather people have this rock in their shoe right now that they're stepping on this oh. right now and can't can't seem to resolve like, okay, you know what? God is the main character. He invited me into his life. 
And again, there's nothing wrong with saying we invite Jesus into our life. That is equally true, but it just doesn't get the spotlight, at least in terms of scripture and stuff. Yeah. He did, well, wait, yes. I have a, I have a saying I want to throw please out do, that please do. will change uh, some, <laughs> some theology. Okay. Okay. I am enough. Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> I am enough. I am enough. How many little memes and beautiful quotes mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. even sermons right. have we heard? I am enough. This is why it's so imperative to take what you're learning and hold it under the authority of scripture, right? And yes. and to study who God is and have the have your theological like wrestle through some theological truths. So saying I am enough is saying I am enough to be the rescuer. Mm -hmm. in my story. I am enough to fix the broken uh, that we all walk out in humanity. And I understand what people say when they're Christians, when they say that, because they're, they're trying to communicate. I am enough in Christ, but they're not saying, in Christ. <laughs> but they're not saying right. you got to say, you got to complete the phrase. Yeah. Right. But they ended the sentence that I am enough and exactly. I'm, uh, we're here to burst your bubble. Totally. You are not enough. Amen. <laughs> No, no, so amen. That, it, yeah. That going. theology, that theology is false. We call it a false, falseology, right? So if if you see those memes, whatever, you don't need to be a the, theologian warrior and battle them on the Instagrams, but just finish the sentence in your head. I am enough because of Christ. Yeah. And that it, that phrase in itself moves you out of the main character yes. and gives God. Uh, the, the, I don't know how to phrase this gives God the room to be the main character or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. What other, what other, uh, sayings should we blow up? Around? Oh, oh, uh, oh, here's one more and then we can move to the challenge. Okay. Um, if we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. I can't stand this one oh. because this one is tricky. This one's really hmm. tricky. Uh, here, here's why it's tricky. It's a half truth, but not the whole truth. But in this case, it's a very distorted one. Here's why. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus assumes that we only need Jesus to fix our sin issue. And then we no longer need him. It misses the, the, it, it gets the plot. Yeah. Well, it, it gets the plot, right? <laughs> Sanctification. Yeah. You buzzed yourself right there. Yeah. So it gets the plot, right? but it misses the beginning and the end of it all. So, right. Of course we need Jesus. We aren't perfect. We all need Jesus. Amen. But we were created for relationship with God before sin entered the world. And even once we are sanctified, Jenny, I'll let you define that in a set second. Set apart. Set apart. Yeah. Once we're fully, fully like, you know, walking in the like reality of who we are in Christ and we are righteous and morally pure and all that kind of stuff. When sin is no longer even a part of the fiber of our being, yeah. We will still need Jesus. Why is that? Because we were created as contingent creatures. We were as, created as dependent creatures. There will never be a time that will be self-reliant. And that's actually a beautiful thing. That's part of why this story is so good to make God the author and the main character, because the author never wanted to separate himself from us. Once he created mm. us, it's a permanent, enduring, eternal relationship that he wants with us. Not yeah. one that says, hey, once I disciple you, once you're mature enough, then you can go and do your own thing and we'll visit each other on weekends and holidays and all of that. No, it's a permanent, <laughs> enduring, close, more intimate than we could ever imagine relationship that will never, ever 
unbind that kind of intimacy. It only increases, doesn't unbind. So that's all. That was my other Oh, point. man, that's good. Well, I, just the way you were describing it at the end, I'm like, yeah, God doesn't get 50% custody yeah. of our lives. It's like, like, oh, amen. That's he's good. like all, he's all in. And to take your yeah. quote that I love a step further, we not only are loved into existence, but we're loved throughout eternity. Yes. Like that's what you're describing. Amen. And that is huge. And I, I haven't heard that quote as much as the perfect quote as much as I heard you are enough. But that's something, man, that's heavy stuff to chew to chew on. Mm -hmm. OK, we have maybe, I don't know, four more minutes. Should we give the big uh, yes, challenge? OK, here's the challenge we have. For and you I don't guys. even know what it is. So I'm excited to hear it. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's very exciting. Um, we're going to give you a question. How does seeing God as the author and the main character of the story change how you look at life as a whole and how you live personally? And Wait, how does this, this worldview? Yes. Nice. Okay. Sorry. I'm like, <laughs> no, I just made it up. No, I literally okay. just made it up five seconds ago. No, this is from our small group curriculum we have available. If you actually want to lead, this is a good segue. If you want to yeah. leave flash theology, in your church or through a group, we have it available at flashtheology.com along with our book. But so how does that question, how does that worldview differ from others you see in culture? So we just want you to prayerfully consider how does God, seeing God as the author and the main character of your story change how you look at life as a whole and live personally? So prayerfully consider that. Mm -hmm. I believe the Holy Spirit will show up in your response time. And whatever you feel like, take it a step further. If you need to repent and be like, man, sorry, I've, I've been uh, living my life for me. Go for it. Repent. Ask God to be the main author and character, obviously through Jesus. Uh, but really, I don't know. I think pondering that question really helps us reframe even how we study the Bible, how, how we interact with our kids, with our family, with those day-to-day -day tasks. And I think it'll give you all a lot of uh, purpose and promise of who God is because he's loved you. He loves you in new existence, as Brayden says. Brayden, is there anything you want to recap before we wrap? Not really. I just want, uh, I'm excited to see how this even changes our prayer life. Again, not that we can't pray for things that are directly involved into the details of our life. Please do, but do it with the framework that God is doing this grand story and this grand narrative that you are part of. And so maybe those things that you're frustrated in your life are actually in some way, shape, or form working towards something with his kingdom agenda. So yeah, again, just Woo! it really helps us get keep a different mindset when we are approaching it uh, through his uh, lens. Prophesy. All right, my friends, until next week, embrace the freedom to let God be the author of your story and kick all your shitty little excuses. I said shitty little <laughs> excuses out the door. If you've been inspired to stop shooting yourself, head over to iTunes and write a review and just give us all the stars. If there's one thing you're going to should yourself with, you should subscribe to our show so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.